The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 180 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host on the left coast, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you this morning? 180 episodes and maybe more that's pretty good it's got to be close to 200 with special episodes and you know what i just thought of this at the moment but 180 and the theme coincidentally is a lot of teams that might have to change direction right i mean we're talking about portland today we're talking about indiana today and teams that have been playoff staples for the better part of the decade and now are facing a 180 of their own yeah, let's start with Portland because there's a little bit more there. So Portland is currently 11 and 14, 10th in the Western Conference as of this recording. Preseason on BovadaSportsbook.com, they were over under was 44 and a half. It seems highly unlikely that they're going to get to that. And then they fired Neil Olshay at the start of this week. Then we saw some reporting from Shams and Woj that Dame Lillard is not happy with Chauncey Billups changing the offense, and you know he was wondering out loud what it was going to be like to play with what it would be like to play with Ben Simmons. And then uh, news came out this morning, which is Wednesday morning that CJ McCollum had a rib contusion on Tuesday, I believe. And now it's turned out that he has a collapsed lung. So I don't know if you could have scripted a worse 72 to 96 hours for the Portland Trailblazers, huh, Zan? And or a worse season. I mean, because, you know, no one was high on them. You know, there's a lot of bad mojo about that coaching search. I, but then it was almost like a backlash to the backlash because I, among you, and I think you were in the same boat, were like kind of like optimistic about their chances of being pretty good this year um, or being better than last year and maybe even getting, you know, 48 wins, 49, 50 wins just based on. Some I thought some finally pretty good moves by Neil O'Shea, who's been pretty bad in the past about solving like the wing issue. I was pretty optimistic about Tony Snell, who hasn't done anything, and Cody Zeller, who hasn't done anything, Larry Nance, who's been kind of disappointing. And, you know, the guys like Covington, who they acquired last year, have not done much to help their defense. It's it's the same. They were 29th last year, they're 30th this year. So all like the th- the margin the moves at the margin that I thought would help have not. It seems like the same team from last year. Yeah, I I mean the thing that jumps off the page immediately is that Dame's numbers are just down, right? Like like big time down. They, I mean, we talk a lot about James Harden. We talked a little bit about Luca this season, and we've touched on Dame. And you know, I think I was pretty much like, yeah, stay the course; it'll be better. But you know, Dame Lillard has been one of the best. I don't know, Zan, three scorers in the league for the last five or so years. And to see him shooting 30% from three and under 40% from the field, you got to think something else is wrong. Because even if Chauncey Billups had the worst offense in the history of the NBA, which he probably doesn't, would be my guess. Kurt Rambis exists somewhere. 
Like Dame is not going to shoot this poorly. I just well, and it's just like red flag after red flag for his season because you know, as you mentioned, down to thirty percent from three after being at forty and thirty nine percent. His free throw shooting attempts are are concerning. The last few years, seven point eight, seven point two. This year, down to four point five. Yeah, it's like he can't get to spots, and I think. You know, he looked so bad at the end of last season and he looked like downright like terrible in the Olympics. We talked about it at the time. And I just have to think that we're moving towards Damian Lillard is injured. And I understand that like he wants to play through it. We've talked about the ab strain and all that stuff. But like, Zan, I just don't buy that he's all of a sudden just a volume mediocre scorer at this point in his career. He, he's 31. It's not like he's right. 38. And then, yeah, and the injury thing, I think is, it's hard for me to believe because we heard that in the Olympics. We heard a, like, you know, a laundry list of excuses because he just wasn't playing well. Like, is it the Olympic ball? It was the Olympic line. Was it some sort of injury? And, and in my head, I'm like, is there any way that Team USA and Greg Popovich and Damian Lillard, if he was legitimately injured, would risk his health by playing him heavy minutes in the Olympics when they really don't have to? You have like Zach Levine off the bench. I can't. Im- I can't imagine it. Like I can't imagine was, either. But it looks like it. I, you know. I mean, it seems like he's not a hundred percent. Aside from like a legitimate monster situation and like Space Jam Three being taped like right in front of our eyes, I just I don't know another explanation. Because like, here's the thing: you, you don't really see guys as good as Dame go through this type of prolonged slump, right? You see guys, they have down years. They might shoot like 33, 35%. But like, I mean, Dame is looking like, he's not looking like Russell Westbrook quite yet from a, from a jump but shooting it, standpoint. But that, that's like so key because it's like, we've seen small guards hit the wall, including John Wall. He's not a small guard. But he's you know, like 6'4". Yeah, but you know, guards hit the wall if they lose their quickness or whatever. But all the guys, those guys like Iverson, Steve France, yeah, they weren't knocked down jump shooters. Right. So, like, you think he would be good through his mid 30s, and he's 31. And then th- that was the interesting sort of PR spin zone because he's under contract for the next few years. And I guess he is somehow contract like, extension ex- eligible beyond that. And so, yeah, theoretically, you can, t- you can give him two more years, I think, at, yeah, like, 50 at like 50 million, million dollars. And like, there's no logical reason to do that if he's 35, 36 to go that far ahead, especially when he's declining or has declined this year, at least. And so then it became this big PR battle where allegedly it seemed like Neil O'Shea, the scorned lover, like leaked this to Woj being like, Dame wants this extension. You know, he's going to try to find a GM that's going to give him this extension. And there's no real evidence. And he, Dame, like denied that on Twitter. I I do think real quick, Zan, that like, we probably should give Damian Lillard the doubt, the benefit of the doubt, unless the quotes come directly from him, because he is not a guy in the past that has like had a bunch of stuff leak. In fact, you and I are aware of some things that happened this summer in terms of like his involvement with the Lakers that has not become public knowledge. And that's really hard to have happen in today's day and age. And some of it's like people protect LeBron too, but like, we've talked about and been told that, you know, he met with like people from the Lakers and was like, Hey, how do we trade for you? And, and like, I just don't think, I do think Dame has probably wondered aloud to some of his friends, what it would be like to play for with Ben Simmons. Right. Because I I think guys typically do that. I, I, you know, do we not think that like a lot of dudes in the NBA have been like, Oh, I wonder what it's like to play with LeBron. I wonder what it's like to play with Kevin Durant. Right. I don't think that Dame has gone into 
you know, Neil Olshay's office or now Joe Cronin, I think, and said like, I need to play with Ben Simmons. I want, you know what I mean? I don't think that stuff's happening. And so I'm really, really surprised that ESPN let Woj run that piece because it was just such, so obviously like Neil Olshay trying to kind of like burn it down on the way out. And he's still trying to win, you know, he's going to end up having to win a court case, right? Because they're trying to fire him with cause and he's got three or four years left. Yeah, on that was table. the biggest, I mean, we talk about this. So I think they recently gave him an extension too, which is weird because he, he had been on the ropes. And so this another hit piece, you know, I think that's all sports journalism is now. It's just like forwarding along emails you get sent from your leaks. Um, the, in this case, the Blazers, I think ownership trying to get out of this contract. It's funny. Somebody went, I don't remember. I, I wouldn't know who did like the Shams and uh, Sam Amick piece about like Dane being unhappy in the old shape, but it's like pretty clear that like Neil Olshay's people <laughs> were with Woj on the, on the yeah. ESPN piece. It's a war between the sources, but the, some of the crimes, did you see some of Neil Olshay's crimes? Yeah. Include, I read this at the time. Include yelling and being controlling. Yeah. I mean, I think. Can you we, imagine? Could you we, get fired? Could you get your salary withheld? Your contract withheld because you are a general manager who is controlling. Yeah, it's it's interesting that, you know, first of all, Portland, Paul Allen owns the Trailblazers, right? The Microsoft guy. So they have tons and tons of cash. Well, he's dead, but uh, but his family, Joe, his yeah. family owns him, right? Yeah, he is dead. Sorry, my mistake, not knowing <laughs> that organizational hierarchy. But anyway, Portland has a ton of money. They have a really good fan base. Their attendance, I think, is fifth overall this year, and it's it's always pretty good. We we've known that it's been really good for you know twenty five years. Seems like the fans are a little bit disengaged right now. But I do think as we get, you know, more into this like era of player empowerment, and I, I really like hate using that expression, but I, I don't think, I don't think like being the old like drill sergeant works anymore in, unless you're, you know, the top one or 2% at what you do. And, you know, Neil Olshay certainly is if you take like everybody who runs a team anywhere, right. but like in the NBA, you know, you, you pointed this out earlier, some of his wing contracts when they've been trying to figure out their defensive issues have been downright awful. Like this guy gave Evan Turner and Alan Crabb $70 million, right? Yeah. They like signed the, Derek- the joke on Reddit is they people call him the penguin because his wings don't, he never gets his wings to work. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's, and, uh, that's pretty good. Honestly, it's really for Reddit. It's, it's actually pretty mild. Like it's pretty low. Breath. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you can't whiff multiple times. And, and I think it's in such, if you don't have like, you know, a super team right? and Damian Lillard's yeah. top 10 guy, McCollum top 25, whatever. And they're a top 10 team. That's about what you'd expect unless you like really nail the rest of the roster. And it, it makes me think of like a team like Utah whose GM also got fired, I guess, for personality issues, but like to find a Joe Ingalls or to develop a Royce yeah. O'Neal. You know, like that's what you really need to do if you're going to be a contender without the glamour market and, you know, multiple superstars. Yeah. And he was doing the opposite. He was just like, can't, he couldn't solve it, you know? And Norm Powell, it was promising. Covington was promising. Robert Covington is, by the way, 20 games into the season, he has shot three free throws total. And that's not his role, but he's not shooting threes well either. So it's, I think I told you this at the time. I had a friend who actually worked in the NBA, still still works in the NBA. But when Covington was getting all this love as like this incredible defender, I think this was right when he was with the Sixers, like early on when he first signed like his first like mid-level deal, right? When he got like four for 45 or something. 
he was actually saying that in his opinion and all the tape that he had watched, like he thought Covington was an absolutely atrocious wing defender and like just a crazy gambler who only really succeeded in help. So like if you had Robert Covington, he needed to play a very specific role. And like one of those was like have Joel Embiid behind you. And he was like, you know, if you traded Covington to like Utah or you traded him like back when Marcus Saul was at his peak, he would be this amazing perimeter like disruptor. But if you play him on a team that has no rim defender or no rim protector, like Covington's not that good. And it's it's interesting to see that kind of bear out because I do think Covington's good. And he was quite good in Portland in that sort of like. But you're right. You've, like been on, you've been on safety. that for a while because it's like defensive reputations because no one really knows and really right. can follow like reputations just stick for a long time. Yeah, I, uh-huh. I do. I do want to talk about Neil Olshay's wings for a second because like they've had CJ and Dame together now, I think for eight seasons. I don't know if this is the ninth season, uh, but 13, 14 was CJ's first year. He didn't really become a full-time starter until 15, 16, right? So two years he, he was okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, became like a 20 point per game scorer. So essentially Neil Olshay had six years to try to figure out like how to get this right. And I think Neil Olshay's good enough. And I think like Nurkic not being the same since his like knee injury in the 2019 season is a, a pretty underrated factor in all this. Cause it kind of threw a wrench in their plans, but like saying everybody has injuries. So like, mm-hmm. it's not an excuse. And I do think that like they, I think Portland realized whether it was ownership or whoever, I don't know, maybe Dame, like Terry Stotts just what wasn't the problem, right? Like at a certain point, it just became crazy that Terry Stotts caught the flat for not being able to like, have a defense that was like even average when you're telling him like, Hey, start these two six sub six, two guards who just stink defensively. Oh wait, here's Norman Powell. He's going to figure it out. Oh yeah. Now you have Robert Covington. They couldn't figure out how to play Derek Jones who now on Chicago is like a legitimate rotation piece. And it's like, I I just don't, I think it was time for Neil Olshay, like, like, you know, controlling personality aside. Now I do think Portland should, should likely have to pay his buyout. Like you sign the contract. That's fine. But like, and it's also just like, it's, it's like a fen- not offensive, but it's just obnoxious in a world where, you know, like you, you pay the average rotational player $10 million a year. You could pay off your GM that you fired. I wonder you how know, much, like, do we know how much they were paying him? He no, could have been I making, can't imagine. He could have been, making, been more a few million, right? Five million, maybe. I mean, he was like a pretty, a I wouldn't say that Neil Olshay was like celebrity GM status, right? He wasn't like Masai or like Maury or something like that. But like Olshay was like pretty. He was pretty well known for being on the rocks, though. I mean, he was not like. That's true, I he guess. Was nailing it. But I, I, you know what? I not to defended him. I thought he was a bad GM, but. I don't, he's not a bad GM. I, you think he's a bad GM? I think he's, I think a, he's bad. Like, I, I don't think, think he's he'll like, get another job. You don't? The, GM. Uh, interesting. Maybe maybe if there's more that comes out about his, like, personality, but I think he'll get another job. You, those guys get recycled so quickly. But, I mean, to his credit, to the Blazers, I, like, resisted the idea that they needed to blow it up because, look, they made the playoffs eight years in a row. And I thought they could do these tweaks. Like, they thought they could do, I guess. And you tried. Didn't work again. I th- are we in agreement that it, I mean, it's inevitable now that they're going to have to blow this up in some fashion. Yeah. I guess we, I guess we finally, we finally got to that scenario. I don't know. I, I would say this. And that, Zan- I just mean Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum have to go. I, I just yeah. don't think you can keep them. They, they, they surely don't have this on Bovada, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that you and I have spent the most time talking about the trailblazers of any NBA podcast. that's not trailblazers focused over the last three or four years. Cause we talk about this team and small moves that they could make all the time that just never really happened, right? Because they had Dame and they kind of really believed in their culture, which they should. 
I think that now they they are faced with this decision. And I th- I think the problem is, you know, what what can you get? Because here's what I feel like if Philadelphia was interested in in CJ McCollum, I think that deal would have been made already. I think it would have been made two years ago, right? And so we don't know if like Sam Hinkie or Brian Colangelo came to Neil Olshan and said, hey, we'll trade you so-and-so for CJ McCollum, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, whatever it was at the time, right? We never heard that. We heard this year that Daryl Morey was like, we'll take CJ McCollum, but also we want eight years of picks, which mm-hmm. is not a real offer. That just means like, to me, Daryl's not serious, right? If they say yes, great. If they don't, he's not worried about it. So like, what move do they have to make other than trading Dame? And if they trade Dame, what contender is taking Dame that actively gives Portland a chance to get better? There's not really like a Nets type offer out there. Like the Lakers don't have any picks. Like the Sixers don't really have any picks and they don't have young guys like, you know, Maxi Ben Simmons and like a couple firsts for Dame Lillard. Like I, I guess. Right. But even so, like, I don't know if Portland yeah. would do that. Cause those will all be late round picks and you still have a lot of salary on the books. I just checked Bovada and they do not have next team for Damian Lilly. They don't have that kind of thing up yet, but I imagine it's coming. Um, it doesn't seem like it, it really doesn't seem like Dame wants to leave though. Like, yeah. And, and if it's, if the new GM like is contingent on the idea, if it, if you believe the leaked report that they have to give him, you know, an extension and, and they want to try to contend with him. I, that's a, that's a lane. I just don't see how it's, the right lane, um, the, the extension part of it. I mean, um, I, I can't imagine, you know, if he gets an extension, like th- that's the big question. Like what is Damian Lillard's trade value? Yeah. I can't, I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can extend Dame right now. But even if you don't, like he's just not playing up to being a $40 million guy right this second. So can you Here, imagine him in two years? Here's the thing. I would really bet, need to like do if you try to trade for somebody, can you do like a medical report on them? Get yeah, certainly. Testing? Yeah, certainly. This is this is kind of what that was what caused like some issues with Sam Hinkie before, right? Is like he wouldn't come off medical information like when he needed to. And but I will say with Dame, I, I think you got to probably bet on some level of rebound, right? And and yeah. you know he gets somewhere where. I mean, there's just. But so I want. Much- I want an excuse. I mean, I don't, I'm tired of the ball thing. Although, uh, you know, scoring is. It's down. It's not the ball. He's his scoring average is down like seven points, and his shooting percentage is down like ten points. Like, it's not the ball right now. He's got no. It, it is an interesting sport- NBA trend. Like, listen to this, just because we're on the Portland subject. Last year, Portland gave up 116 points per 100 possessions, and that was 29th in the league. This year, they've actually improved to 113 but that's now become the worst in the league. So as an entire league is, has become better defensively or teams have become worse offensively by a pretty big margin this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think the issue with Dame to me is that he just, he's got no burst. Like he just doesn't look like the same. You know, Dame wasn't like an insane athlete before by NBA standards, of course, but like, you know, you don't need to be John Moran if you're him, but it, it looks like he struggles to get to spots, which I think is why we're seeing more of the like, hey, he wants more like step up, pick and rolls and stuff like that. So he has more of a chance to, you know, get space. But it also, if he's only shooting 30%, like, you know, one of the things with Dame that makes him so difficult is you have to pick him up at half court. And if for a little while you don't need to do that because he's not making 30 footers, not even making like 23, 24 footers. I mean, that makes him so much easier to guard. And then it kind of like pounds in the paint. But like, I just, I'm not sure like Portland to me, 
is interesting because, and we'll talk about Indiana in a second, but like Portland doesn't have outside of like Dame and CJ, they, they do have guys that people would be interested in, right? They can't trade Larry Nance until like later in the year, January, I believe. But like, you know, somebody would be interested in Norm Powell, pretty, pretty favorable contract for like a good player. Robert Covington certainly has a role on any team in the NBA. People still seem like they're in on Anthony Simmons, Simons a little bit. Nasir Little, I don't know, maybe he's played well in spurts this year, but like this isn't a team where you're just like, wow, I wish I could have a shot at some of their rotation guys outside of really of those top two, I think. And so, yeah, and those are the only ones, like, because you're talking about like late first round picks at best for all these other guys. Yeah, maybe well, you could you probably think? get it. Could you get a late first and like a bad con? Like, could the Knicks trade like a first rounder in like Kemba's contract for like Norman Powell? That that wouldn't help the Knicks, but I'm just curious. Could yeah, something Norman like Powell that be made. Maybe, he he might be like a mid first rounder, but even that's not like a needle mover. So it's hard because I think it's less, you know, it's more interesting Portland's perspective. Cause like, say you're Philly, you're 13 and 11. Ben Simmons is no sign of him showing up. And like, where are you without him? Like Joel Embiid's 27. Well, we should mention, you know, they did have the big COVID outbreak where Embiid ended up missing a lot of games and they, they lost a ton of games in a row with Embiid. They've been, but yeah, if you're Daryl Morey, are you just going to stubbornly hang on to Ben Simmons or you say, look, like we're not getting anything from him right now. We need to take a risk on Damien's health. That would be obviously a, an upside play or just let's just take Seamage and McCollum and try to win a few rounds. And, and I mean, that's kind of been, finals. that's kind of been my thought process on this for a while is that the opportunity cost of being stubborn is greater than, I shouldn't say it's greater than Daryl Morey thinks. Cause like that guy, you know, he's got, Models upon models. I'm sure he has an actual model to show him what the opportunity cost is. But like, given what we know about Joel Embiid and how I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was looking at like his basketball reference page. And if you look at like his draft and how many games he's played compared to the other guys in the draft, he's played like half the games of everybody else. And like, yeah, Embiid's amazing. Like he, he's put on some absolute shows already this year. He's definitely been worse than last year, but like, just in terms of how unreliable he is, I just think you need to be all in right. every Definitely. year that he's playing. Well, and I've said, I've said this from the start. I think I said this when they traded Jimmy Butler. I think that's what I said to you, Zan. Is like, and that was what four years ago at this point. So right, and, I, but, and their starters, like, look at their age of their starters right now. Seth, Seth Curry, thirty-one. Danny Green starting thirty-four. Joel Embiid twenty-seven. Tobias Harris twenty-nine. Like the time is now, and you. Ben Simmons trade value, I don't think is going up anytime soon. If he just like sits out the whole year. Yeah, it's certainly not. But I just, I think the issue with speculating on Dane Lillard trades is like, we still don't know that Damian Lillard wants to leave Portland. We know CJ McCollum doesn't want to, like he he said it to Jason quick at the athletic, like this is my home. I just bought a vineyard here. Like all this stuff. He doesn't want to, but we have not heard that Dame. we we know that Dame maybe wants to, have somebody else play with him, but we, we don't even really know that to be honest with you. Well, here's, here's a question. It sounds ludicrous. If we asked this three months ago, you're Dale Morey, you're doc rivers. And let's say you even out the trade, you know, with picks or whatever else, would you rather trade for Ben Simmons for some package involving CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard and the health issue? And I, I would go, trade for, I would trade for Damian Lillard and figure that he'll get right and be that superstar again. That's who I would trade with. I, I think also because that I, I agree with you because that at least is like title upside, right? Like if he snaps back to it, 
and then you have Lillard and Embiid and a pretty good supporting cast. They're right in the mix. They're not going to chalk this season, obviously. Like the Sixers absolutely still have like title aspirations. I, I do think, you know, obviously their odds on Bovada have fallen over the first couple months. And I think it's pretty obvious that this current iteration of this team is is not going to be good enough to win the title. Not not with like Milwaukee just rolling dudes with all Drew, Chris Middleton, and Giannis healthy. And, you know, Brooklyn, Harden looks a little bit better each night. And, and so I think like those two teams are just better, right? Miami's better in my opinion. But if you told me that they traded for Dame this year, they got him healthy, he got, you know, half a season with Embiid under his belt, they kind of learned each other's tendencies and then, we were going into next year with a 32-year-old Dame, you know, 28-year-old Embiid, all the same pieces kind of in place. It'd be hard to not have that team as, you know, I think Bovada would have them in the top three or four to win the title with those guys. And I think that's why you would make that Dame deal this year, yeah. even if you thought that he was diminished, because if you could get him under your own doctors, I think the culture that he brings to your team as well they already have a they have a really good culture in Philly, in my opinion. And B does some kooky stuff for sure. But like Tobias Harris is a fantastic teammate. Like they have other guys. That's what Doc does. But if you put Dame in that mix, and I think guys could see how he works and how he operates and, and put him and Embiid together, five percent chance it doesn't work, ten percent chance they just hate each other, right? Like Chris Paul, right. maybe. Well, and I would say like the other way where it's like maybe 80% chance it doesn't work in the sense that you don't win a title. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's just, that's just how it goes. But that's what I mean. Like you got to give yourself a shot to win the title. And so that's why it makes sense to, to make those moves. If I think if you're a contender looking for a piece, but from the most, what's the most you would give up if you were Philly, do you think for Dame Lillard specifically? You know, Philly fans are love Maxi. He's been good. He's fine. I mean, he's not, I've never been like totally in love, but He's averaging 17 points a game at age 21 season. So that's pretty good. He's without just not really, my kind of guy. Without, without really being a, like even like a passable right. jump shooter. I, I just don't love players like that. So I would trade Simmons and Maxi in a pick for Dame Lillard. Um, is that enough? I, I think I don't so. know. I mean, that that's kind of my thought process is like Simmons, McCollum, and Maxi as you're like three going forward. Norm Powell, like. I don't know that that accomplishes. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying from, I think Portland's actually in a tougher situation because it's like, you're right. Like Lillard's trade value is lower than it's been. McCollum, we talk about as the healthy one. Meanwhile, he has a collapsed lung. I mean, you, uh, yeah, we, we don't know like collapsed lung. Like, I, I mean, you're the one that's married to a doctor. Like he, he could be out for months, right? Like he might be out a short period of time, but he could be out. A yeah. Long they said, time. you know, weeks, but it doesn't sound good. And then you might lose your conditioning or whatever else. And he, he's not a athletic specimen himself. So there's like a th- smaller margin for error for him. Now he's over 30 as well. Um, you're not getting a lot from, I mean, as much as you think from a column, you're not getting as much as you think for Lillard. So I don't think there's any scenario, as you mentioned, that you could cobble together um, around two contender with the leftover pieces. Yeah. And, and I think if Dame was a, like at his absolute peak, like if you had Dame from last year, the last two years with McCollum being injured, I think at 11 and 14, you could sit back and be like, all right, we're fine. Like we can, we can weather the storm. Like we've got Dame Lillard, like he's, he's going to carry us because we've seen him do it. Right. He's, he's done it for two years. I don't think the signs are there that we're going to get that gear from him right now like like maybe he can ease into it and he'll have a couple you know maybe maybe we could talk in a month or two and he's got 
you know, whatever he had, like five straight 50 point games or something like maybe we see something like that, but it doesn't look like that outcome exists right now. And, and, I, you know, aside from just a couple like really hot shooting nights and, you know, I think some of it is coaching for sure. And that, that's another reason why I do think Neil Olshay deserves the brunt of this and why it, it makes me angry when Woj writes articles about like Dame Lillard, because like Dame is not the one making the team. Like he, he's not, there's only one guy in the NBA that does that, right? It's LeBron. He's the only dude that does it. So like firing Terry Stotts, who was like a pretty good coach, and then making all these moves and hiring Chauncey Billups, who was mm-hmm. the in his first year as a head coach, and, and isn't terrible, but like he's just not, you, you know, it's it's hard as a first year head coach unless you walk well, and not a, only not only a first year head coach, I think he was an assistant for what for like one year? year. Like it's it's not like the, like Steve Kerr is totally different when everyone asks about that. Like he was a, he was in the front office, like he's been worked in everything in basketball, and then he walked into a team that was ready to win. Right, this team was not that like and and i don't and i also think it's notable same with steve nash where it's like okay you're just kind of a babysitter at this point to like your superstars you know figure it out he coaches a lot steve nash when you watch he he seems like he's getting more involved actually yeah i thought the other interesting thing too is like when steve kerr signed up for golden state like he surrounded himself with like very capable assistants like alvin gentry I, i don't think mike brown was there yet but they had ron adams Alvin Gentry was there that first year and then he left, he got a head coaching job and then they hired Mike Brown. That sounds right. I think that's right. And then, you know, in Brooklyn, they had Mike D'Antoni, they had. That staff was his first year, his staff last year was insane. It was just dudes. Yeah. And Chauncey Billups, staff, according to basketball reference right now, Roy Rogers, Steve Heitzel, Scott Brooks, Adisha Curry, Matt Brozzi. Scotty Brooks, I guess, is the guy that you could point to as like, that's a veteran presence, but he's and not. And he's a good like, assistant. He's a good assistant. He's a good as an assistant, but I don't know. It's not like a, it's not like an operation that could run on its own. You know, it's funny with Scott Brooks, like their young guys have, have shown a little bit more this year than we've seen in the past, right? We've seen some signs of life from like Nasir Little and, and that's kind of what Scott Brooks does. But I, I think the real thing, and, and we'll go to the, we'll go to the Pacers, but. But what I do think, you do? I, I want to end it. Like, what do you do if you're Portland? <laughs> I don't know. Like you're the GM. Until, you until, just got hired. If Damian Lillard tells me he will accept a trade anywhere, then I will make a deal for Damian Lillard specifically. But and unless keep that, CJ McCollum or just like burn. I don't know. I you think know. you can burn it all the way down, but I just don't know. Like right now, you kind of have to decide. Dame's the best player in franchise history, right? I mean, maybe Clyde Drexler. I don't know. You know, whatever. One of the two. But like, if you trade Dame, then like, what are you doing? Like you, you've got to get an actual building block back. Right. So like if you get Ben Simmons, that's great. But again, like if you just trade Dame for Ben Simmons and Maxi, like your teams, maybe they're better if Dame's done. Like if Dame is, is finished and I don't, I don't buy that he's finished, obviously he's still a lead guard and you know, he is who he is, but like, I, I just don't, I also, you know, Zane, I, I tend to say that like, I don't mind those types of deals that he signed on the front end. Cause they're always going to get your value on the front end for a, a true superstar. But I do think there's going to be some guys that look at that deal and look at that potential, like hundred million dollar add on to it and be like, damn, do we really want to pay this guy 250 million over the next six, six years? And I think that's going to cause a little bit of a problem. So I guess my goal would kind of be to like make nice with Dame, like, and decide like, Hey, can we move CJ? to try to find you a running mate that fits you better is what I'd want to do. I, I don't even know if that's possible though, because this roster is older and expensive. 
and it doesn't have the upside plays when you trade. Dame is the guy that has the upside, right? Because he could take a fringe contender to a real contender if he's Damian Lillard. But other than that, none of those guys have that op- have that ability. And you're paying CJ McCollum like a number two guy, but like in reality, you know, on other teams, he's probably not that guy. Like he's probably not. I like. I've always liked him. I mean, I think he's just a little miscast. I mean, if you trade real quick, if you trade, let's say you trade Ben Simmons and I don't know Ben Simmons and like. Matisse and a pick for CJ McCollum or something like that. I don't know if or Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum and picks or something. I don't know, whatever. Right. I mean, if you look at that, it's Maxi McCollum, Danny Green, Tobias, and Bead. And then your bench is like you get one player back from Portland to match the salaries, but then like you also have Seth Curry, Bible, Andre Drummond, George Niang, Shake. Like that team's pretty good, right? Like that's well, a pretty that's, good team. I, I want to debut my, my, what I would do for Portland, but you mentioned the Philly thing. I think that's interesting. So let me give you this question. Two scenarios right now on Bovada, Philadelphia is plus 2,500 to win the title. It's only 10th best. Okay. 25 to one. And that's, I think we're all presuming Ben Simmons isn't coming back soon. Give me those odds. If they trade for Damian Lillard and give me those odds. If they trade for CJ McCollum, this specific season, this season, mm, what are they plus twenty five hundred? Mm, plus twenty five. They probably go to like plus fifteen with Dame, maybe like plus twenty one hundred with CJ. But like again, I don't know what the CJ deal looks like. Surely they're giving back more with that, and so I don't know what they want. Like, would they want Anthony Simons like with CJ, and you know, you kind of roll the dice with that. But like with Damian Lillard, assuming they can get him healthy, assuming that health is the issue. I mean, Lillard and Embiid in the playoffs, like, I don't know, man. That team's really good. Yeah, I, th- I think there would be an immediate surge in their in their odds, at least, betting odds. And then it might die down a little bit. Um, I'll tell you what I would do for Portland really quick, and then we'll move to Indiana. I think there's an argument for, despite the fact that Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are both over 30, I think there's an argument to punt this season. Keep them and punt this season. I mean, they're gonna. Ha- I think they're gonna have to punt this season, right? right. I don't. Really well, and my it. argument would be they're not healthy. We fumbled the the GM stuff. We the coach still do, to be determined. I think he needs to be evaluated, and maybe he becomes like a front office guy. Maybe coaching is not his bag. Um, yeah, we heard before that he wanted a GM job. He wanted every job. He wanted. He wasn't sure if he wanted a head coaching job, GM, president of the United States. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, maybe reassess it. And look, to pull a Golden State, like Golden State, like hasn't used their lottery picks like as well as we thought. They haven't been as big of an impact. But as it stands right now, where Portland is in the standings, they have a twenty percent chance to, for a top four pick. Now that's not great. But if you tank the season, basically, you could get that up to 30%, 40%. And I think, you know, a top three pick, whether you want to use that to, to bolster the team now or, you know, flip it for some win now player, like that's your best bet, I think, to really change your stars. I, I mean, your status and your fate, because like holding court, doing the same thing over and over again for the 10th year in a row, it's just not working. Yeah. And I know, you know, it's interesting you bring up Golden State because we did talk a lot about you know, the Sixers, but like, I don't really think that Golden State is the trade partner for Portland, but I do, I do think that Gordon, Golden State is an excellent trade partner for Indiana 
because yeah. what a transition. Because the 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 interesting thing, so we, we get this article, and that was that was an Elliot Page level transition. <laughs> oh my god, do I have to cut that? that no, was, that's that's a compliment. All right. So uh-huh. anyway, so Indiana article, uh, another another shams bomb of like, hey, they're going to blow it up, and they'll they're willing to talk of to teams about either. Domitas Sabonis and Miles Turner and Karis LeVert. So, you know, you, you take your pick between like the, the guy who's like overcoming, you know, offseason cancer or one of our centers. And I, I think that like the thing that in, intrigues me about India is first of all, like India's not that bad, right? It, the advanced stats show that India is much better than their record, but they are currently, I believe 10 and 16. And uh, I think, I think they're three and 12 in games decided by like four or five points or less, which to your point expected win differential 14 and 12. Yeah. Their numbers are all like mid pack. So they should be, you know, comfortably like in the range for the play in tournament. And they're not obviously, and and this happens from time to time, but like, this is a team specifically that has a lot of guys that help a contender who is looking to get a bit deeper. And I think that in my opinion, I don't know that like the Sixers personally would be like, yeah, sure. We'll do Ben Simmons for like, maybe they would do like Ben Simmons for like Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon. But like, that seems absurd for Indiana to do that. It just doesn't to me, like, I I just don't think they do it, especially knowing what Simmons' trade value is. But I do think that a team like Golden State that has, you know, James Wiseman, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, and like those three guys and, and future firsts, getting Clay Thompson back and that doesn't really affect their depth, but if they could trade, you know, a couple of those guys for, you know, Turner or Brogdon or TJ Warren, if he's healthy or even Sabonis, if they're interested in him in more of that small ball role, like those two teams seem like a very natural fit because you can, you can trade on, you know, I, I don't know how good I think any of those three golden state players will be in the future, but certainly there's upside there. And, you know, I, I don't really understand trading Miles Turner for James Wiseman. You know, Miles Turner's only 25. Like, he's, yeah. you want he's him to not- be better, but he is really good. And when he plays for a team that, like, is, is you know, kind of maybe better run and better coach, I think people are going to be like, damn, like, Miles Turner is a legitimate defensive difference maker. Yes. And um, guys like that, like, his stats are never going to jump off the page, but, you know, very valuable. And, um, it's the v- very interesting that Indy and Portland were talking about because they are similar in the sense that like these teams have, you know, rolled it back, rolled it back, rolled it back, and then made the playoffs. Usually Indy has started to fall off that, but really small tweaks versus like overhauls. And they've debated like it's it's similar in the sense that Portland is like Lillard and McCollum are not a perfect fit. Do we break them apart or just keep trying to adjust the roster around them? And the same thing in Indy where it's like Sabonis and Turner are not an ideal fit. How do we adjust the roster around hey, them? Real quick. And they I really want, didn't, by the way, this year. They just changed coaches, really. No, That's I, I want to make one note really quickly. I forgot about this, but they cannot trade Malcolm Brogdon until the offseason because of his because like his extension. extension. So that was me saying like, yeah, let's trade for Malcolm Brogdon. You can't do it. So Malcolm Brogdon is off the table for current trade deals. So it, it would, that's yeah. why. Like, and, we, and we don't have any news about TJ Warren. who's like a lost man, right? He's like down in Atlanta. I, I heard that he like might play again soon. I don't know. Let me look while you, you know, you, yeah, he's about. just been so far off the map, but I think it comes down to really, uh, there is according to Shams Sharani, a Pacers beat writer. There is optimism that Warren will be able to play in late December or January. So okay. sometime soon. But not a lot of trade value right now. TJ McConnell's hurt. 
Karis Levert, I mean, is I think he's lost his trade value, so it doesn't really matter. It's not, I mean, it's not really honestly the fact that Karis Levert's like he's, he's had a rough, he's had a rough eighteen months, yeah. you know. But <laughs> so I think it comes down to basically: do you trade Sabonis? Do you trade Turner? Because you're still young enough that you could just trade one of the two and just kind of stay as a young, decent team. I mean, is there? Do you have a strong preference? I certainly. I would, I would rather have. I would like Miles Turner personally. I would hold on to Turner too. And the hard part is like Sabonis. Look at the numbers: eighteen and He's twelve. A really good player, yeah. But like that kind of player is not in Vogue. Yeah, you're right. And it's like you know, you talk about. I guess he's like a poor man's Jokic, but like, that's like hard. It's kind of hard to build a team around guys like that. He, I think he's more similar to like a Vucevic or something who didn't have a lot of trade value. Well, let me ask you this question. Why is Chris Duarte not on the table? Like he's a guy that definitely can help a contender right now too. And so like, if you really are rebuilding, and this is why this article from Shannon's made me so angry, not mm-hmm. angry, but it just like annoyed me is that like, the Sixers are trying, or the the Pacers are trying to do almost like a soft teardown, right? Where they, they want people to know, like they'll listen on guys, but like, I think they're in the market of like, hey, you got to blow us away because we think this team's okay, and and it is okay. They're they're a good team, but like they don't want to trade Chris Duarte, who's twenty four, but they'll trade Sabonis or Turner, who are both twenty five. Yeah, like, it's amazing it, it, to think that like Turner is he's in his seventh year in the league, and he's one year older than their rookie. Yeah, and so it, it it's to me, if I was a team like, let me try to think here, if I was Golden State or. God, you know, you know what, honestly, what deal makes the most, this will never happen. But like, if I was Brooklyn and I could convince someone to trade for Kyrie Irving, I would trade Kyrie Irving for Miles Turner in literally a second. Yeah, it's it's just too, you can't trade. You can't trade him. No, you can't. But like when you need like rim protection and, you know, they're playing Nick Claxton, he's guarding Luka Doncic down the stretch, but then he's also trying to guard Porzingis and you're like, man, this is, this is tough. But if I was a team like even somebody, you know, like, I don't know, Phoenix, right? If you could if you could figure out a way to make it happen, they probably can't, obviously, but Golden State can. And Yeah, and, and you said we, I mentioned that they haven't really used their lottery picks, you know, in the rotation yet, and they haven't used them as trade assets what, yet, but this is like CJ, staring you at the face. What about CJ McCollum for Miles Turner? I would have liked that. I was that trying in, to think about I would have liked that in the offseason, but I don't think that, that doesn't really make sense for either team. But Yeah, because it's like, yeah, I think Brogdon and McCollum could probably play together, but then you have Turner and or Sabonis with you need to, your you need, pitch. You need Turner if, you, if you're going to play Brogdon and Sabonis together, right? And the, and the issue, I think, with Indiana, too, is as they stare at, like, 2022, they have you know, Jeremy Lamb coming off injury, but he's an unrestricted free agent. TJ Warren's an unrestricted free agent. And like those guys are probably not going to come back to Indiana. Well, let me ask you this, because I asked you about Philly. Looking at Bovada, the Golden State Warriors are plus 600 to win the title. They're maybe second per, best. Right second best. Behind Brooklyn. Is Milwaukee that, third or do we still? Are yeah, we Milwaukee's still third. Than the Lakers. That the Lakers are a title contender. Okay. <laughs> Lakers are ahead of Utah. They're tied with Phoenix. And they're kind of, they looked okay last night. So, but let's say Golden State plus six hundred, one of the favorites. Let's say they trade their young players. The salaries are kind of hard to, to fit, but trade their young players for Sabonis. Where do you think that line goes? Plus six hundred to what? How much better do they actually get hmm, with Sabonis? I don't know that it would move a ton. Five hundred. Yeah, plus six is notable. But let me, let, let's talk about something for one second in terms of betting markets. The betting markets that we saw with the Golden State Warriors of like 2016 to 2018 is legitimately absurd, 
Like being plus 600 right now on December 8th, like you have a one in six chance of winning the title. Like that's a tremendous amount of respect if the field yeah. is truly wide open. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, these are betting markets so to your point, like that's saying it's a 14% chance of happening, which is, and I don't good. even think, I think that's high, honestly. Like I, don't, I don't think they have a 14% chance of currently winning the title. Yeah. And maybe that's an easier way to think about it for people who aren't like degenerate gamblers like you. So let's say it's 14% now. I think that I think they're with Sabonis. You're right. It would go up to like 20%. I think it seems very likely to be the same. Honestly, I'm not saying it wouldn't move right away as people would. Well, I think the betting line would move quickly. Certainly. Absolutely. It's like when the Rams get like Beckham, like it moves quickly, but then then it settles back down. Maybe that'll work out for people that that immediately ran to pound the Rams Super Bowl futures. But man, they look not so good. Yeah, it happened like multiple times with the Rams. Remember they traded for Von Miller. Oh my God, how exciting. And they traded for Beckham. Oh my God, how exciting. And then, or they acquired Beckham. I I wonder, my my question more. Do you see any fit issue though with Sabonis and Draymond? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it personally. I don't, I I just don't think they, they don't really need, you know, he's, he's kind of, he fills in gaps where like Draymond struggles, right? Like he can credibly make threes, like he can also pass, but he's a better scorer. But like, integrating him as a small ball five and like moving dream onto the four. I don't know how that helps Golden State, right? Like, yeah, it's better when, well, like when they play like Kavon Looney, Looney something. Yeah. But they, they need Looney defensively at yeah. least this year they have. So I don't, I'm not saying Sabonis is, is not a fit. I just, I would personally rather have Turner if I'm going to do that because I think it really helps you defensively and, you know, Golden State, I don't, I don't really know that Golden State needs a lot of offensive help, especially with Clay Thompson. What's back. the best looking around best fits for Sabonis then? Cause Karmically, it'd be fun if he ended up in Portland because his dad played there. But I don't know if it's not a bad move. That you know, I, I wonder if Indiana. This is going to be such a cop out answer, Zan. So feel free to roast me for saying this. But I wonder if Indiana's players work better in a three team deal than they do yeah. in almost like a one for one. Like the Golden State thing makes sense from a salary perspective and from like an asset perspective. But like, I, I wonder if there's like more of a deal to be made where like you can involve, you know, Portland could get involved. You can involve Philly. You could, you know, you could maybe involve San Antonio. Maybe you can involve Miami because they have some guys they want to get off of. Maybe Toronto is a team that'll get involved with like OG Anubi or OG Anubi or like uh, Goran Dragic. Like maybe those guys and you can find fits collectively. But like the one-to-one fit, like I just. Well, what about know, the Mem- team that I thought Memphis? was kind of interesting? What about Sacramento? I mean, Rashawn Holmes is playing well offensively, but you know, Sabonis would be a little bit more of like an offensive focal point. Could you trade? I don't know. I mean, Halliburton's probably too much to trade from. I don't know. Is Davion Mitchell too little? Hmm. I don't know, to be honest. I always I do, just want, I, I kind of just like vibe it because I just so used to Sacramento having like those good passing big guys. I, I want think- them to have that identity again. I, I, I honestly think if they if they are truly trying to rebuild Indy, if they're truly trying to rebuild, which again I don't believe that's the case, um, Turner is the guy to trade because he's always going to have more value for another team than he will for them. Because like unless you have a team built kind of in that Utah mold where he can truly anchor your defense, and, and he can do that, I don't. He's not quite as good as Rudy Gobert uh, on the perimeter, which is funny because everybody says Rudy Gobert can't guard on the perimeter, but he's up to that level as a rim protector. And I think you can find a team who's willing to give you a lot for Miles Turner, probably the type of return where 
you know, we we look at, you know, whatever the ESPN bottom line, and we're surprised at how much somebody got. Well, let me float an idea, trade to offer for you, see how it fits. Guys who maybe have worn out their welcome. Sabonis, I'm still trying to find Sabonis deals because I, I All right, how about this? Jalen Brown for Sabonis and TJ Warren. I just don't think TJ Warren has any, you know, offer any value. Karis Levert and Sabonis yeah, for Jalen Brown. I, that, I don't think Boston would do it yeah. unless truly Boston's locker room. If, is, if you could get like bad. Brogdon, I think it's more of like a Miles Turner kind of thing. They tried to get Miles Turner at one point, Boston. What about Sabonis? Feeling the hole in Toronto, they have a problem at center for Siakam, who maybe has worn out his welcome there. It's funny, like Siakam's been playing better lately. And but then you have Siakam and Turner, who I think fit better, do, a little do, better together. Do you think that, that you have to believe that Indiana thinks Siakam is truly a star? And, I, and I'm not saying that, that, that he is or isn't. I just, I don't know that Indiana feels that way, right? But I and, think I'll give you another reason that kind of makes sense because. Sabonis has some limitations, so you have big forwards around him, Ananubi, Scotty Barnes. And then in Indy, Siakam and Turner, I don't see any sort of problem in terms of the fit there. I don't know what it does for either team, really. Toronto makes sense. Charlotte, I think, makes sense as well. If you're really trying to like blow it up because you can get picks from them and they they desperately need an upgrade as a at, at the five spot. And like they don't defend anyway, but like if you had Sabonis, like you know him and Lamelo would be fun together. But if you did trade for Miles Turner, that would be a, kind of a game changer, I think, with Lamelo Ball. And like, but again, you know, I, I think the hard part is what do you what do you do? Like, what, well, what are you? And the other up? hard part too is like trying to figure out trade value in the middle of a moving season is like trying to cook on a moving. How about how about how about Brandon Ingram for Miles Turner and somebody? That's interesting. But the problem is, again, you know, don't know if New Orleans is going to, like, make a deal yeah. <laughs> with Zion's Well, that's future. why, they, you know, do you trust the GM to make a move? Like, if you've ever, you know, take yourself, like, you're making fantasy football moves. It's almost impossible to make deals in the middle of the season because one game, you know, Jonathan Taylor has 40 yards, the next game he has 240, and, like, his value surges. It's somewhat similar in the NBA season just because it's, like, things change. There's ebbs and flows. Like I, I have a hard time like writing NBA pieces in the middle of the regular season because I was writing about how terrible Sacramento is, and then they win four out of six. So like, what are you going to do? Or Houston wins six in a row all of a sudden? Um, I enjoyed the social media content about Houston being the first team ever to like win five games after like losing what like fifteen games in a row or something. Just, just stupid stuff, you know, that happens in the NBA on a nightly basis. So, but you're you think. So to summarize, if you're Indiana, you try to trade Sabonis, you're probably going to get more for Turner, though. Is that where I mean, you stand? Yeah, but I, I think that if you're going to keep Miles Turner, you need to rebuild with him in mind as a legitimate defensive anchor. And it's not that he isn't already that, but obviously, like he struggles to rebound, he shoots a lot of threes, he's not really a screen and dive guy. It's not who he is, but like I think they need to. You need to say, like, all right, if we're doing this, we are specifically trading for guys who can grow with him. So, like, you need a wing scorer in the worst way. And it's got to be a better, it's got to be like a true, like, lead guard type wing scorer, like, not, you know, Donovan Mitchell type. Like, it's got to be that guy. But then you also have to fill in your team with a lot of the players that you currently have, right? Like, you need, you know, good depth, wing depth. You need, like, some good wing defenders. You need some better off guard guys. And then you have to, like, overhaul your system. And so, like, if I was Indiana, 
it sounds crazy, right? But like, I do think Utah is a title contender this year, but like if Quinn Snyder gets fired or leaves because they don't win the title, like, why don't you just hire Quinn Snyder and then just let him build the same team around Miles Turner and see how it goes? Yeah. I mean, and you can't, you can't anticipate that happening, obviously. Right. You, you can't, but I just, I think yeah. if you're trying to truly rebuild miles Turner gets you much more. I don't think Karis Levert has any trade value really. Yeah. Cause I, I think you have to view Karis Levert as like a, a, a like lead guard or like a, a, a number one or number two scorer on a good team. And I just, I just don't think he's that guy. Not no, now. I, yeah. And, and TJ Warren is still such an unknown. They're kind of stuck, but See, for them, I, I think there's almost less pressure than Portland to blow it up because, as you mentioned, their point differential, advanced stats, they're, they're not bad. And I could see a hot stretch getting them right back into the top eight. Um, so I, I don't think they're as doomed as Portland, given their set of expectations. Because I think Indiana, if they make the playoffs, that's considered a win. Portland, I don't think, is in that boat. I just am really surprised. I'm just really surprised that like we're seeing this out of Indiana. Because, again, like just like Portland and, and kind of just like Philly, like you could see this coming from like a while ago that like, Hey, these two yeah. guys can't play together, even though they're good players and they, they make it work. And so, but yeah, that's what, that's, what's annoying about it. Portland. I understand some optimism coming into this year for Indiana. Like what did you think would be that different? I don't know. Just the coach. I mean, in Portland too, like you have a guy who's a top 10 player, which you need and Indiana, you just don't have that. So like you have to be star hunting if you're Indiana. So like, yeah, it does make sense to try to just like tank and maybe you get like Paolo Mancaro or you get Chet Holmgren or, you know, Jalen I think Portland, I think Indiana has a harder time to tank as well because there's like a bunch of like B players, you know, like you can't sit them all. And like when Portland, you just have like two players that you just have to sit. That's true. You just move them, right? I mean, we could see Dame end up getting surgery and then they just move McCollum and then they start again yeah. next year. Like that could definitely happen. And Norman Powell averages like 24 points a game down the stretch and everyone thinks he's ready for a breakout. And it's like, hey, somebody has to score on bad teams. I don't know. I think it's interesting on December 8th to hear about two teams that like legitimately have to make a decision of who they want to be, right? We already had the Sacramento firing or whatever, but right. like these two teams legitimately at this point well, in time. I think it's no, no small thing that you talk about Sacramento too, because that's another team that everyone was questioning the fit. And they didn't do anything in the off season about it. And then they ended up having to fire people in the regular season. This is the same all across same the deal. board. Yeah. I think that's a good spot to end for today. Yes. Uh, fun, fun podcast. I think that, uh, I don't think we'll have any answers about this in the next, you know, month. I think after Christmas, really? things will heat up. I, 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 I think, think it'll heat. I think Portland's simmering right now. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it just depends on the CJ McCollum situation. Cause like, if he's really out three months, you're not trading him. <laughs> You know, and if you're not trading him and Dame wants to be in Portland and isn't really interested in being traded somewhere, I just don't think you can do anything. And so that's I, I, my prediction is we're going to do an emergency podcast some point before December ends that's about seems, a Ben Simmons Portland deal I, or, a, you know, some sort of Ben Simmons. Deal. Whatever I think the odds are, are just like are, brewing should, for too long. You should you should fade Zandrick Ellison on that. But really, I, you I think not. this is going to extend for another few months. I don't think they're going to trade for CJ McCollum. So unless Damian Lillard says, get me out of here, I don't think it's happening, but we'll end, we'll end there for today. Uh, he is Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. Uh, he's grinding through. You heard him say it's hard to write pieces, but he's, he's putting them out there. He's grind- I just talked to you. He's, he's grinding, grinding it out. Uh, you can email the show. It's even Dude. hard to do a podcast, right? Cause things get outdated so quickly, but thanks for sticking with us. If you're still here. <laughs> yeah. Email the show, Zandrick Ellison at gmail.com. And, uh, 
we'll be back next week as always and it's a pleasure take care thanks for listening to the underdog sports nba show with your host tyler laurie and zandrick ellison tune in next week for more nba storylines and news 